Now, citizen involvement is not easy. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes interest. We must make time. Our children are our most valuable assets, whether you're talking to the parent or the community. Children represent the future. And therefore, we collectively need to be intimately involved with their education. We have to have a return to American and Tennessee values. Hello, everyone. I'm Brandon Lewis, founder of the Tennessee Conservative, the volunteer state's largest conservative news alternative. Today, John Reagan, state representative for District 33 in Anderson County, joins me. John is a retired Air Force fighter pilot. I mean, he would make those guys in Top Gun look like a bunch of amateurs. I've seen him. I've seen him. Sometimes he buzzes my house just for fun. He recently... Um, or he received, rather, his master's in aeronautical sciences at Embry-Riddle uh, Aeronautical University. He is the chair of the Government Operations Committee and serves on various other educational committees. Representative Reagan is here today to discuss Tennessee College's attempts to radicalize the meaning of Title IX with the help of Joe Biden's woke administration, among other educational issues affecting our educational systems in Tennessee. Uh, Representative Reagan, welcome to the program. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Always glad to uh, talk to the people of Tennessee. Awesome. Well, you know, for our viewers who may not know, explain exactly what Title IX is. I think we need to start there. Uh, Title IX is the most commonly used name for the federal civil rights law in the United States that was enacted as part of the Education Amendments of 1972. It prohibits uh, sex-based discrimination in any school or any other education program that receives funding from the federal government. Uh, Title IX specifically states, and this is a quote, no person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected, subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. Uh, Title IX applies to schools, local and state ed uh, educational agencies and other institutions that receive federal money from that department. Uh, that These recipients uh, are approximately 17,600 local school districts. And I'll mention that we have 147 school districts in Tennessee, all of which get some of this money. Uh, it also includes over 5,000 post-secondary institutions, which is to say colleges, universities, and technical schools, as well as some charter schools and for-profit schools. Uh, occasionally, you have to include libraries and museums in that as well. Uh, there are also, for that matter, vocational rehabilitation agencies and, and education agencies the district of, in the 50 states and districts of Columbia that get this uh, uh, money from the United States. So that sounds all very straightforward. <clears throat> you know, you shouldn't be discriminated uh, if you're a male or a female. But how is the federal government trying to reinterpret Title IX to push a leftist agenda in our schools? And what court actions have recently happened to check that? Well, a little bit of history here. <clears throat> Back in 2016, uh, actually before that even, uh, the Department of Education un under the Obama administration uh, issued something called – they called the Dear Colleague Letters, which were aimed at um, the uh, – uh, colleges and universities across the nation. And in these dear colleague letters, they said that, well, the word sex as it was used in the 1972 uh, law now means, or it includes 
uh, sexual orientation and gender gender identity, etc. <clears throat> now, of course, uh, in 1972, those terms were uh, known only to people studying psychology. Uh, it, they they were certainly not the intent of the drafters uh, or framers of that law. However, the Department of Education tried to say, well, yes, they are. Tennessee, among other states, uh, filed court action against the Obama administration, and it got to the Sixth Circuit Court uh, in 2016. Uh, then an, an election happened, and the Trump administration took over. And within uh, a month of his inauguration, they removed all of that guidance. And so the, the Sixth Circuit said, uh, your court case is moot. In other words, there's nothing to sue about. And from that point on, it, you know, it, it was a, a dead issue until uh, just recently, again, the Department of Education, this time under the Biden administration, is trying to say that sex includes sexual orientation and gender identity. Uh, and they published this time, they changed the name of it under the other administration, the Obama administration, they called it a Dear Colleague Letter. They're now calling it a Dear Educator Letter. letter. Uh, but essentially, it was the same approach saying, well, you have to uh, interpret that word in Title IX to include gender identity and sexual orientation. That, uh, again, uh, stuck in the craw of a lot of people. And Tennessee, along with 19 other states, again filed suit. And this time, a judge in East Tennessee who heard the case uh, enjoined slash restricted, restrained, whatever word you want to use there, the U.S. Department of Education from enforcing anything in that letter. From that standpoint, the, the issue that you we're dealing with in, in uh, uh, this situation is that with that uh, court action in place, they have to follow the laws that existed prior to the Obama administration, et cetera. And that means basically that the word sex means biological male, biological female. Uh, that said, a number of our institutions in Tennessee, and for that matter, across the nation, uh, were still afraid they were going to lose federal funding. So they rushed to implement wording that matched that the, the uh, Department of Education's wording in their, their letter. And uh, some people wrote me about that and wanted to know if that was legal. So I did some research and talked to the lawyers that support the General Assembly. And they said, no, it's not. So I drafted letters to uh, all of the 11 universities in our state that are supported by the state. Uh, the, that, that includes the University of Tennessee system, which is, is uh, five uh, different campus uh, uh, locations as well as six of what we call LGIs or locally governed institutions. Uh, locally governed institutions examples are like the East Tennessee State University, Middle Tennessee State University, Austin P University, Tennessee State and so forth. Uh, they do not come under the administration of President Boyd, who is the president of the UT system. But letters went to all of them uh, uh, over my signature, uh, reminding them that uh, that court injunction was in place and for them to follow state law. That situation uh, also uh, required them, that letter required them to respond back to me saying that they were indeed following state law. Now, I had done my homework before I sent the letter and I knew that some of our institutions were in fact following state law, but some weren't. And so the letter was sent to everybody, but I was interested primarily 
and getting responses from those that were not following state law. Uh, so, and I'm sure that the corporately held left-leaning media in Tennessee reported it straight down the middle and all the facts, and they didn't try to make you look bad because you did something conservative and ethical and honest. Uh, we only have two conservative media outlets in the state. Mine's the only one that exclusively focuses on Tennessee, and our coverage is a lot more in-depth. Um, that's why I wanted to have you on here so that we could get you to to some conservatives so they don't have to read those left-leaning uh, rags uh, that lie about things continually under the guise of being independent in their way of thinking. Uh, so what what did what did the press do? What did they say? What did the university say? Um, just kind of give us a rundown. Well, let's start with the universities. Um, <clears throat> amazingly, they all wrote back and said they were in compliance. However, I will point out one, which I won't name, uh, was changing their website and their policies right up to literally just a few hours before the response deadline. But they did get it changed. Now, of course, I'm still checking, again, doing my homework on some others to make sure that it's changed. Uh, that said, I'm going to take them at their word for right now because there's another letter that I sent uh, earlier this week on that issue again. But as far as the press is concerned and how they reported it, uh, apparently there was, uh, shall we say, a little bias. And uh, as a result, uh, I got a lot of hate-filled emails and vulgarity-laden phone calls from people who were accusing me of taking away rights from the LGBTQ plus whatever, the alphabet mafia, if you will. Uh, and, you know, I was a, a, a very unfit human being. Now, that said, of course, what I did, I just explained, was just ask universities to follow the law and point out to them there was a court case that delineated that. Uh, several of these people didn't want to hear that, though. I, I think the attitude that they had was, my mind's made up, don't confuse me with the facts. Well, that, that is often that is often the case. And we have, you know, one reason the condition of education is in Tennessee, both at the, at the primary and the secondary level, <laughs> is because of low information voters. Uh, and they're everywhere. And we try to bring uh, all of our subscribers are high information voters uh, because we, we cover state government uh, extensively. What can the Tennessee legislature do to stop these left-leaning institutions that survive off conservative tax dollars? And Representative Reagan, this is like one of my biggest things I don't understand. While we take conservative taxpayer dollars as Republicans and we funnel them into left-leaning indoctrination camps, that continually inflate their expense uh, with administration and bloat. Uh, they are completely contrary in their viewpoints. Most of them, even the, the major administrators uh, and the presidents. Uh, and we recently did something with John Saylor about all the critical race theory and SEL and everything else that's being required to even hire people in Tennessee universities. Uh, what can we do to keep them from pushing these divisive and destructive ideologies and why do Republicans seem to be, I mean, to use a military analogy, they seem to be like, it's almost like they're sending checks to the opposing army's munitions plant so they can build and weaponize um, their own citizens uh, to fight against them. It's just been a very curious thing to observe how Republicans support higher education when they don't support conservative values. Well, a bit of a conundrum exists there in some places, you're correct. But we must be careful now not to paint with too broad a brush because a university is a collection of colleges 
for example, the University of Tennessee has the College of Agriculture, uh, the College of Engineering, the College of Architecture, the College of Education, and so forth and so on. And those colleges, like, for example, we'll pick on the hard sciences like engineering or, or uh, architecture, uh, they're more about teaching their students how to become engineers and architects or uh, you know, veterinarians or whatever, uh, as opposed to indoctrination. Now, that's not to say some of that doesn't creep in, but our state needs engineers. We need uh, doctors, we need veterinarians. So we, we have to have a supply of those uh, valuable skill sets that those universities turn out. Additionally, we need teachers. And I will point out too, my daughter's a teacher and I myself have been involved in education for a number of years. So not all teachers are uh, of the woke variety. Unfortunately, there's enough that are, and they're the ones that get the press and send the nasty emails and, and other things that it gives the impression that our entire education system is that way. Now at the K through 12 level, uh, that's not so. There's enough of them like that, mind you. But there's also uh, a more than just a few that object to that in the K through 12 system. At the university level, I think the staff, unless they have tenure, and sometimes even if they have tenure, are afraid to stand up to their peers for fear they're gonna be excluded, excommunicated, if you will, uh, from the system. In fact, that has happened in several places across the country. Uh, there, there have been, if you follow the press, a number of lawsuits filed by professors who suffered adverse action because they stood up for conservative principles like freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Uh, and actions were taken against them by the administration. In some cases, uh, the administration was acting on complaints from their colleagues. From that standpoint, uh, we have to have a return to American and Tennessee values. That is to say, uh, the things that our country was founded on, the Judeo-Christian values that have brought us for over two centuries to become the most powerful, most prosperous country in the, net, in the world, and for that matter, in history. Those values so have served us well, and if we adhere to them, they will continue to serve us well. We must stop uh, those people who would, uh, through deceit and subterfuge, try to take those values and discard them and force the rest of us to follow uh, their own bent ideology, most of the time Marxism. So just one thing, uh, on, while we're on education, I know you serve on a lot of education committees, so it must be something you really care about. And obviously here you are, you know, government operations, I don't know, what percentage of our budget goes to education? I mean, it's over 50%, isn't it? Well, between our healthcare and education, yes, over 50%. Uh, those two eat up uh, well over half of our, our state budgets. Education is, of course, split into two categories, the K through 12 and higher education. And K through 12 gets the lion's share. I think as it should, because our constitution specifies it. But uh, at, the, at the current time, for example, uh, we have between nine and 10 billion, that's with a B, dollars going through our, to our K through 12 system. Every Tennessee taxpayer is contributing to that. And as a result, in my mind, every Tennessee taxpayer deserves to have a product out of our K through 12 system that is a good citizen, productive to our, our society. In college levels, uh, the 
output's a little tougher to define because the students themselves are also the customers as well as the taxpayers. But uh, for colleges to offer degrees that are worthless, uh, the equivalent of underwater basket weaving, if you will, I mean, sure, we need some graduates that come out of college with a, a PhD in philosophy or, or a bachelor's in philosophy, but I would question how many we really need as a society. And if we have paid for those people through student loans and grants, things like Tennessee Promise, then the taxpayer is entitled to ask, what are we getting for our money? And these institutions that are turning out uh, these people with degrees that are unemployable or underemployed in many cases, uh, they're doing a disservice to those individuals, to themselves, and most importantly, to the people that I represent, the Tennessee taxpayer. Guys, if our publication ever goes away and you can't find us, it would be because if you're in, in the 96% that, that consume our content for free but do not give, we need your help. TennesseeConservativeNews.com slash support. When you give any amount, any amount, you will get two bumper stickers sent to you along with my heartfelt appreciation and a signed letter. Proud Tennessee Conservative bumper sticker. Put that on your car. And also, uh, Don't California My Tennessee bumper sticker. Uh, these, if you press these to the forehead of a uh, liberal, it will leave third-degree burns all over their forehead, and it will engraven on their head, Don't California, my Tennessee, lest they be confused, and we will send you this directory, which hopefully will be updated pretty soon. And if you get $50 or more, or a $10 recurring donation or more, you will get this proud Tennessee conservative tumbler. Oh, my goodness. It is it is like drinking, it is like drinking uh, from, the, uh, from the chalice in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, all wisdom will come to you all conservative wisdom, and should you be able to trick a liberal or a leftist uh, or a rhino into drinking out of this cup, uh, they will immediately be red-pilled and conservative. It has magical properties. TennesseeConservativeNews.com slash support. We just need your help, guys. Don't make me do this. Uh, don't make me do this by myself. One of the biggest problems we have in conservatism is, it's just true, conservatives often give conservatively, liberals give liberally, there's not a lot of money in protecting freedom. If there were more conservatives paying attention, if there were more conservatives actually giving and donating to conservative causes and organizations, you wouldn't have to deal with all this. But because we're so thinly funded, they can slap us around a little bit. But guess what? We got something they don't have, and that's the truth. And the truth carries farther. So we need your resources. Let me ask you this uh, while we're on education. Now, I grew up in a house with a daddy that couldn't read or write. Uh, and understand thoroughly what illiteracy can do to a family, especially when the heads of the household suffer from it. Right now, our kids can only read at a third, like third of them reading at grade level. And it's approaching grade level, which is kind of a, <clears throat> that's a weird term. Either you are or you aren't. Uh, Mastery's in the single digits in math and English uh, and reading. Uh, we were promised school choice. I mean, that's one thing that, that Governor Lee campaigned on. And I live in an area that is so rough John, we just moved up to Signal Mountain. We still private school, but I was living in an area that was so rough, like I, they didn't have a single kid get an ACT score out of the high school that would have gotten them into a college. There's gang violence. I could not send my kids there. I have, I have presently zero school choice in my life, and I've paid in as a small business owner for 20 years into the system. And right now, we've only got like a few hundred kids in Nashville uh, and Memphis that have school choice or have who have um, we've had I think it's like 60 some odd uh, or had about 600 applications I think only maybe uh, as of our last article 70 or so had been approved 
Um, when can we get real school choice? We did a survey of like 2,000 something conservatives, which is bigger than any of these statewide surveys you see reported in the broadsheets. And it's like 90 some odd percent wanted school choice. Republicans have been in charge for a long time now. The Democrats aren't to blame. When are we going to see like opportunity, like real opportunity? Because we had school choice bills die in the legislature at Republican hands this last time. Oh, and, you're absolutely right. And I'm just like, it, I mean, if it's all about the kids and if the kids are in a bad situation, if they were in an abusive home, we'd get them out of the home first, figure out how to fix the home later. Well, they're in these abusive situations where 13 years later they get turned out functionally illiterate. They're in a bad situation, but we don't get the kids out. We just keep coming up with some new formula. We come up with some new program. We put Penny Schwinn on a bus, and she drives around and takes pictures with educators. Meanwhile, the kids still can't read and write. And so it just bothers me, uh, and it seems like a moral failing that we have not gotten these kids out of these failing schools. I understand people want to preserve the system, but sometimes the system's so broken it can't be preserved. And I apologize for rambling, but it's, it's a big concern of mine, and I know it's a big concern of parents. Well, you're absolutely right. Uh, and, of course, while school choice uh, is certainly something that I have been pursuing personally and a number of my colleagues have, in our political system, uh, no single individual, and this is probably our strength as well as our weakness, no single individual can implement change, even change for the better. We have to have a good solid majority to do that. Additionally, uh, beyond that, in our, in our state, in the state of Tennessee, every bill that we file has to have something called a fiscal note associated with it that's put out by our uh, finance uh, assessment group. In other words, if this bill passes, this is what it will cost the taxpayers. And so many bills that are actually really good ideas die because of the fact that they're too costly. Now, what is too costly? Well, most of the time it has to do with what we can negotiate with the governor to put in his budget to cover it. That said though, uh, the, the school choice issue has got a lot of opposition and it's very organized opposition from teachers unions to name one group, but there are other people besides those teachers unions that have got the idea that school choice means that uh, their tax dollars are going to go to schools or types of schools that they object to. Uh, some of these people would say, well, I don't want my money going, my tax dollars, going with a student who goes to a religious school. Now, of course, if you look at the GI Bill as a way of comparison, in the GI Bill, uh, any, any veteran who wants to use this GI Bill to go to college can do so at any college that is accredited. That is to say, there's there's associations out there that grant accreditations to these colleges on the basis of the strength of their academic program. Well, if we have a similar accreditation program for our high schools, and in fact we do, uh, if, if the school itself is accredited, then I don't think that anybody should object if that school is turning out, like I said, a good citizen productive graduate. Now, and by the way, these schools, all of them have to produce the same uh, test results, that is say nobody get, nobody escapes taking the, the tests that they're, they're statewide, nobody escapes having to meet the state standards, all those standards, even in private schools that are accredited have to be met. Uh, whether it's a school board, public school board setting that, or a, a corporation that runs a charter school, which by the way is a state school, uh, public school, uh, the, the criteria still have to be met. So I'm a little at a loss to understand why people object on that basis, but they do. And unfortunately, there's enough of them that uh, influence uh, 
enough votes in the legislature to keep these things from getting through. Uh, as far as how to cure that, well, you ask what people should do. And the answer straightforwardly is be in touch with your government. And I don't just mean state legislators like myself. I mean state school boards, the state school board and local school boards. Uh, local school board members are the uh, lowest level or the level closest to the people, I would maybe use that term, uh, of elected officials. And the theory is, if they're the closest to the people, they would most accurately reflect the people's will. Regrettably, and I, I sincerely mean that, until the COVID uh, situation hit, we had parents who didn't know what was going on in their school system, and they were content. Their attitude was, well, my, you know, nobody's complaining. I must have a good school system for my kid. However, when COVID hit and the online learning started and, they, and parents had the opportunity to see firsthand what their children were being taught as good state-sponsored education, uh, they became concerned. And I'm grateful for that. I personally would like to see more parent involvement. And again, the way that happens is parents should be communicating with their school board members. And of course, going to school board meetings is one way to do that. Uh, I think nearly every school board meeting, if not all of them, have a public comment period. Parents can bring up issues that concern them at that time. And they also all have emails. They all have uh, post office boxes. So there's ways to communicate with them besides just going to the meetings. The, the issues that you have and the question that you ask are straightforwardly addressed by citizen involvement. Now, citizen involvement is not easy. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes interest. Uh, and I sometimes I have, I confess, you know, earlier in my life when I was uh, uh, in the military, I spent a lot of my time doing my job and did not have the time I felt to do to be involved with my my school boards wherever I was stationed. That's a mistake. Straightforward, I'll be honest with you. We must make time. Our children are our most valuable assets, whether you're talking to the parent or the community. Children represent the future, and therefore we collectively need to be intimately involved with their education. Now, let me say again, I'm not disparaging teachers. We have a great many that have answered the calling, and teaching is truly a calling because there's not enough money in it for somebody to get in it to get rich on. But that calling sometimes is uh, a bit fractured, if you will, because they go to these teachers' colleges and, and the teachers themselves get indoctrinated and they think that's the way it's supposed to be. They think they're supposed to pass that indoctrination on. I, I carried a, a portion of a bill. In fact, we carried the first uh, funding reform for K through 12 education in our state this last year in 30 years we switched from something called a resource model to a student needs-based model, something we should have done decades ago. That said, that, that funding model is only part of it because it's funding, it's not spending. The school boards are the spending entities in this equation. And again, citizens, not just parents now, parents are not the only ones whose tax dollars go to the schools. So, so our citizens, to include parents, should be involved with our school boards. It's a sad comment, 
that sometimes people who want to get into politics figure they get into the lowest level, which is the school board, and they're more interested in politics than they are education. Now, that's that's not true for most of them. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not. It's not a damning indictment, but it is true for enough of them uh, to make that a problem. The other thing is that a great many school boards are populated by teachers, retired teachers, administrators, retired administrators, or by employees from com large companies that can afford to give their employees time off to be involved in schools. Uh, so those who are left who have to go to work on a daily basis uh, and put in eight or 10 hours at work uh, and then come home and take care of the family and then the, you know, mowing the grass or fixing the meals or whatever else is involved, uh, frankly, just run out of time to be able to do that. That's a problem. And it's, it's one that has to be fixed at the citizen level. We in the state legislature would love to be able to mandate you, you citizen, you must go to a school board meeting. But that would fly in the face of our constitution for one thing. And for another one, probably have bad results because making somebody do something they don't want to is a guarantee to make it turn out wrong. Yeah, well, we, we, we did a lot of that during COVID. <laughs> <laughs> and it took a long time for folks to realize that it was wrong. Uh, a few comments. Number one, uh, the teachers union supported uh, 10 candidates in the Republican primary. And and do you know how many of those won? Um, no, I'm sorry, I don't. Uh, one. Uh, that's not surprising ten. to me. Nine of the 10. So when everybody up in the House quakes when the unions uh, and tell them what to do, they ought to realize that they're not they're they're batting 10 percent in the primaries and you you can't get in there with if you don't win your primary uh, and on the testing you know i know that they were supposed to roll out uh scorecards grades for all the school system and for the third year in the row penny schwinn says oh we don't have enough information to to grade the schools i'm like it, i mean it, we i mean the the information's out there but it's hard to get to it doesn't make a lot of sense you have to be nerdy like me and research it and see that oh, okay only 10 percent of the kids in our school can actually read and write at grade level in the urban areas it's abysmal uh and then finally the fiscal note uh you know at, at the private christian school that i send my kid to it's six thousand maybe seven thousand dollars a year there are eight kids in a classroom we got one administrator with an assistant the, the test scores are through the roof. There's tons of parental involvement. It's half the cost of what the state spends just about. It seems like there would be a negative fiscal note for school choice, like a negative one, like a benefit to the state. Uh, but, you, you know, you got to fund the government job factories, I suppose, and, and they are entrenched. But uh, I just I just worry for the kids, uh, Representative Reagan, because I, I, I'm, I'm glad there's a new funding formula out there. But if I had to put $100,000 on the table, that that funding formula is going to increase the reading and the academics in Tennessee in 10 years from now, I put that bet on the table and I put it to any administrator and any, any state rep because I don't think it's going to make much of a difference because I think the system's fundamentally broken. Uh, we keep pouring money into this thing. And it's like an old beat up Chevy. It's like, you know, the, the cost of repairing it's more than the payments would be on a new car, but we just keep putting the money into it and expecting it to be a new car one day. And it's the same old car year after year. You've been very kind with your time. I appreciate the work you do on education uh, and especially a lot of the reforms that you push through as it relates to obscenity uh, and things of that nature in, in schools and a lot of divisive concepts. Uh, and I know Carol Swain speaks highly of you and, and the work that you've done there. We appreciate the reforms that you're pushing. And if we can ever help you with our publication uh, to reform education even more, because God knows it needs it, we'll be here to do that. 
Uh, you've been kind with your time, as I mentioned. I'll give you the last word. Well, thank you very much. Uh, and I do appreciate the compliments. And quite frankly, one of the things that's required for, for the reform to succeed is for enough of our fellow citizens at every level, but especially at what I call the, the, the foot soldier level, that's the people with the kids in the schools and the people who are paying for those schools. We have to have that involvement. I can't overstress that. I have carried bills, uh, in fact, just this last spring to create more of that reform you were talking about. Uh, boys play boys in sports. Uh, at the K through 12 level and, and another one for uh, college level. And, and those, those are uh, the kinds of reforms that shouldn't have to be done with legislation and shouldn't have a need for it, to be honest with you. Uh, that said, uh, what needs to happen, quite honestly, is the citizens pay attention to their government. Now, I get a lot, <laughs> I can't say that with enough emphasis, I get a lot of emails from those who disagree with the reforms that I pushed. But for those who um, agree with them, I, I guess the attitude is, well, everything's going the way I want it to, so I don't need to say anything. That's true to a degree. But also you need to be involved enough to say, I like what's going on with this reform. We want more of it, or we want it done this way. And I will tell you up front that like most of my colleagues, now, you know, there's a few bad apples in every uh, situation to include even the legislature. Fortunately, it's only a few. Most of us are down there. We don't get rich. We're even more poorly paid than school teachers. But most of us are down there to try to do the right thing for, the, for our state. And the way we come up with what the right thing is, is we, we campaign. I put my positions out there in front of the public. And I assume that if people vote for me to, to go into office, my campaign positions are something they agree with. That's what I call black and white. There aren't that many black and white issues. There's just one way of a lot of gray ones. And so for the gray issues, I, like all of my colleagues, need input from our constituents. And I, by the way, constituents go beyond just my district. Uh, I consider the entire state of Tennessee something I represent. And so from across the state, they're my constituents. And I think my colleagues have the same attitude. We genuinely want to do what's right for our state, but it's not an easy task. As you pointed out, sometimes uh, doing the, the, the thing that we can see would be a good idea is just too expensive. And so how do we, call, how do we get around that? Uh, you know, I've, I've voted for every tax cut we've had since I've been in office, and I will continue to do that. In fact, I've sponsored some of them. Uh, but on the flip side of that coin, uh, tax cuts bring our state prosperity, but they also reduce the amount of things that we can spend money on because we just don't have that money. I think there's a balance to be had. I think we're there. Our state is the most physically stable state in the union, according to Forbes magazine. And that's because we manage our money wisely. But in so doing, we have to balance the needs. And education is one of those needs that has to be balanced. Our citizens need to be involved. And again, I cannot overemphasize that they need to be involved at the local school board level. That is, that's where the the rubber meets the road, as the saying goes. And no matter how many reforms that I or people in my position in the legislature push through, uh, they're not going to be adequate if we don't have citizen involvement. Well, that's a good way to end it. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, you've taught me a lot. I'm sure you've taught our subscribers a lot. Thank you, Representative Reagan. Thank you.
All right, guys, if you enjoyed this interview, if you care about your state government and what's going on, where you can affect it, uh, not the clown show in Washington, D.C., where you can sit down kneecap to kneecap and talk to your elected representatives, please do search for Tennessee Conservative wherever you get your podcast and or social media. And do go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com and hit that subscribe button. Until next time, I'm Brandon Lewis signing off.